Welcome back to a, I'm going to call this a special edition of the Sound Right Heart podcast because we are moving a little bit outside of our normal wheelhouse. If you are a listener to our podcast channel, you by you surely know the name Susie Rance, you know Ride of the Valkyries, uh, but we wanted to use the Sound Right Heart platform to talk about the rain because the rain or rain fc uh, what what is the what what are you guys calling the rain right now is it the rain when you just talk about it colloquially or is it rain fc i think in everyday conversation i would say the rain okay and I then when make you're sure writing like, it's like, like a weird jerk. combination of rain fc the rain um the tacoma the team in tacoma <laughs> of course well like this was a really exciting i don't know a couple weeks in maybe i mean like in some ways i don't maybe this is overstating it but in some ways this is more transformative i think potentially organizationally uh with ol is it it's ol group ol group the umbrella is ol group and yeah. that's because olympic leonese is a sim or olympic a leonese is not technically the owner of Rain FC, right? Right. It's OL, it's group. OL group. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there, there's your first big nugget of number. Maybe, As folks but, can tell, we are really well versed in French over here. Right. Exactly. I'm just like butchering <laughs> French. Last week, I think I was trying to talk about Liga MX's, and I butcher that literally every time. <laughs> but um, anyway, this sale of 89.3% what, what, or something like that of the team to uh from the predmores essentially to ll ol group is potentially at least to me even more transformative organizationally as uh as the move from seattle to tacoma because while the move from from seattle to tacoma was a huge deal in terms of the day-to-day interaction that rain fans have with the with the rain this actually could be like we don't know what it is and it, and it, like it it's it has a stadium component it has uh a investment component it has uh potentially ramifications within the academy mm-hmm. like it's they they're what they're suddenly doing is going from what was really like a mom and pop shop for lack of a better term mm-hmm. to all of a sudden like a- the amazon of uh like that's not fair because it I think it has it, but it's a big, I mean, OL group is a big, big player in the women's soccer scene and in world soccer in general. Yeah. I think um, even if you're just a passive observer of women's soccer, you've heard of Lyon and you know what, like they are who everyone sort of initially thinks of globally when you think of a women's soccer soccer club team, um, not just in the caliber, but you hear often about, the kind of professional environment they provide and how they, so, so it's, it's a huge, huge deal. And um, I think we've heard over and over from rain players throughout the year, how much they absolutely value and, and the kind of environment that Bill and Teresa Predmore have created at the rain, but they aren't, they're not, they don't have a ton of cash to throw around. They obviously had enough to invest in a team and make it as best as possible. But having this kind of resource um, is just something they never had at their fingertips for these last six years. The Predmores, you, you're the Predmores, yeah, right. yeah. I mean, the Predmores were clearly invest, I, I, like on the scale of the independent uh, ownership in NWSL, meaning not the teams that were owned by MLS uh, outfits. 
the rain seemed to be very competitive in terms of mm-hmm. like what they were providing to their players that was maybe off the salary cap. And they seemed to create like a real family atmosphere. And uh, for all the complaints that you may have heard about the organization, the players all seem to like love the Predmores. And they love them. Yeah. They, they, there's a reason the rain have retained the most players in the league. Um, some, they, for, for every year since the league's inception, except for maybe 23 to 2014, have had the most amount of originals return since the first season. Um, and, and that's not by accident. That's not just because they love Seattle or whatever, or Tacoma. Right. It's just because of all the, the behind-the-scenes stuff the Predmores have done. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I certainly don't know the numbers, but I would imagine that, I mean, take Megan Rapino out of the equation. She, you know, like those types of players, I think you have to look at a little differently. Mm-hmm. But Lauren Barnes has been yeah. here since day one. How many non-allocated players have been with the same team their entire NWSL career? It's a short list. And you have Lauren Barnes. Michelle Betos left, but she's back. And she was original. Jess Fishlock was an original. Oh, I, I somehow um, forgot about Jess Fishlock. Steph, Stephanie Cox, who retired to have her second kid, but now is back and player coach. Um, and um Bev Yanis was essentially 2014 and beyond um so th- the list is is much 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 longer than than most teams have yeah and that's and that's without them doing things like they, when they were playing at Memorial Stadium it was like almost a literal dump in some ways like <laughs> I don't want to overstate it but it was like anyone who attended a game at Memorial Stadium, I think the rain did an admirable job of creating an on-field experience that felt mm-hmm. like close to what we felt like they deserved. But you only had to walk into the concourse, let alone the locker rooms, to see that this was not what I don't think anyone really wanted. And I don't mean that to trash uh, the organization in any way. It was just a reality of what they're like they made the best of a bad situation, I think. Yeah, I think last last year is a or this this year this season's a really good example of like Bill and Teresa. Bill and Teresa did everything they could with the money that they had to make this team successful. They got some World Cup money. Every club team did from FIFA through US Soccer, wherever, however it flowed. They used that to invest in an, in an upgraded locker room, and the players were just like so pumped. But I don't think they could have done that if they didn't have that extra small amount of cash. So that's just like a very small example that should magnify what they can do with OL Group's investment. Right. And I, and I bring all this up because OL Group, you know, they are not Barcelona necessarily, but they have spent like no one else has in the world in world women's football. They, uh, you know, and, and they are like they it kind of speaks to the the scale, like all the time we talk about how, oh, you know, Messi, a week of Messi's salary could pay for the whole NWSL, like, <laughs> play. like, I don't know if I, that was the exact stat, but I heard something. Sure like could. <laughs> it might, it might, it actually might. But like, you know, they invested 3.5 million into the rain to buy the, their, their, sh- their share of the rain, essentially. And like, that's a, that's not an insignificant amount of money, but it's not a huge, like this is a group that's used to spending that kind of money and that's used to making investments. And, you know, if there was any hope, you know, one of the big updates I think that will be of interest to Sounders fans yesterday 
was uh, Maya Mendoza, who's the, the legal represent, representative for the Sounders and kind of the point person on the stadium in Tacoma, was asked, like, well, what about this 5,000-seat stadium? Should we plan on it being bigger? And best I can tell, she kind of gave an answer of, like, yeah. Like, that's, that was, like, our bare bones. Like, let's hit the minimum. And now that we got this new, potentially this new investor, and we just saw the rain, uh, you know, bring in more people than our supposed capacity is going to be at this new stadium a bunch of times this last year. Like, why wouldn't we try to like build this up? And, and all of a sudden that seems very realistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was really interesting. She was, Maya was saying that 5,000 was just for the feasibility study which all they needed to be able to do was prove that they could meet league minimum standards and the league minimum standards are 5,000 stadium right. capacity. And, and you, so, And if you've looked at the renderings of the stadium, it's not very hard to imagine how they could expand that without dramatically increasing the footprint just yeah. by basically like, so one, and if, if you, I would urge anyone listening to this podcast to go basically Google Tacoma soccer stadium feasibility study a little bit of a mouthful, but I'm pretty sure that you'll get to the where you want to go. And there's a bunch of renderings that actually I think look generally pretty nice. But one of the stands is a full like normal stands, and then the other on the other sideline is a much more stripped down version of that. And you would probably get up to closer to 7,500 just by building the same stand on the other side, uh, which is to say that it's a very expandable. I it looks to me to be very expandable without dramatically blowing up the current plans yeah yeah and it's nice now that the rain have a seat at the table rain whatever we're going to be calling the rain next year right. um have a seat at the table to help move that project forward where before they were a, a partner that was thought of that would use the stadium but weren't necessarily a negotiating partner so um and nice that an, that's changed right and as an example of that like the rain are barely and i don't know that they're they may be passively referenced in the feasibility study they are definitely not a focus of the feasibility study and i would imagine from this point forward we're it's going to feel a little bit more like a rain project at least that's yeah. the perception i got and that's why you know maya mendoza was there uh as a kind of to kind of signal that but what other big takeaways did you have from this press conference yesterday well, I think one that will reassure a lot of fans because everyone in this region obviously has heartbreak from the Sonics where an investor from outside outside of the area invests in a team and leaves um, and the team leaves with them um, that Bill Predmore said during the press conference that he's had, he had multiple lucrative offers um, beyond OL Group to buy the team but would have required the team leaving the region. And he absolutely wouldn't consider that. And that means that he's very confident that OL Group wants to build a team and keep the team in the area. And I think a lot of fans were worried about that because there had been some comments earlier in the year about like maybe wanting an NWSL team in Miami because the owner had business interests in Miami. But I think that was just kind of like mouth, mouth talk and, um, you know, just, ex- just, kind of ad-libbing um and it was before they had sat down with bill predmore so um i and think really that was- and really if they wanted a team in miami like could they have gotten one like i mean think. they have the money too right exactly <laughs> like that's the thing that it always like that's the thing i didn't quite understand when 
when this talk of the rain being moved, once once the OL group story broke, mm-hmm. that seemed to be the immediate jump to conclusion. Yeah. That certainly in the Sound of Heart community, yep. that, uh, people jumped to is like, well, I guess they're going to be moving them. And it never, like that never dawned on me, frankly, because to me, it always seemed obvious. If you're going to buy Rain FC, who have a brand, who have a successful, let's, I think it's, you can call it a successful brand, uh, not just on the field, but like, they have relevance in the soccer community. Yeah. Uh, I think, and I guess maybe you could say that the, uh, why am I blanking on the Kansas City team that got moved to Utah, essentially? FC Kansas City. Oh, that's why I remember <laughs> FC Kansas City. Too but, obvious. Uh, yeah. I mean, FC, and that was technically not even a move. They just bought. Right. They folded and then got essentially right. moved. Right, exactly. Like no one bought FC Kansas City. Yeah. And moved them. They basically bought a, an expansion team while also folding. Yeah. Uh, same team. So it's a little different. But I guess my point being that if OL Group just wanted a team in and in the NWSL and they just wanted to put it wherever they wanted to put it, like there was a more direct route to doing it yeah. than buying a chunk of Rain FC. I think too, um, people need to remember that OL Group has been a women's soccer powerhouse before that was even really a thing. And like, they didn't really necessarily want, or they didn't create Leon to, I'm sure they want to make money. Sure. Who doesn't, but they didn't create it for that. Perhaps someone has an ego who's just like, I want to be the best women's soccer team in the world. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. Um, And that's what they want in NWSL. Um, so why not, like you said, invest in a team that's already established that has some of that baseline already that's very successful, but just needs a little extra help. Yeah, and I think it make, to me it makes a lot more sense. Like, who knows what happens, but to me it makes a lot more sense that this is actually – it's, it's strengthening the foundation of the mm-hmm. team's future in – the Seattle area and quite and it might be even strengthening their foundation into in like the South sound in Tacoma, yeah. because if they actually put real money into the stadium, you know, that's, that's real, you know, that's real. That's, that's, you know, and I would imagine that whatever they invest into the stadium is probably going to be a lot more than they invested into buying the team uh, mm-hmm. just by nature of the economics of it all. Uh, what, what do you else do you know about OL group that maybe casual soccer fans might not like, Tell us about OL Group. I, like, I know they're a soccer power, a women's soccer powerhouse. What else, like, what else is notable about this, this purchase? Um, they, have a, they have one of the best academy systems for women in the world. Um, a lot of their players in France have gone through the, the Lyon Academy, and they're bringing that to the rain also. And part of that is, like, full residencies, like you might see more on the Sounders Academy side, where – they're organizing stays and schooling and that sort of thing. That's not anything we're going to see immediately for the rain, but that is sort of a vision that they alluded to. Um, And you think about, I mean, Washington has always been a huge hotbed for women's soccer as far back to the eighties and stuff, but um, kind of being able to build that in this region is really exciting. Um, Also like, (laughs) They, um, their players fly around to games in their private jet. They wear like matching team blazers. They like, like this is a luxury lifestyle for players. I mean, could they do, I mean, is that like. So the thing about the NWSL is 
you never really understand or know about league rules until something like this perhaps comes up where they want to fly their players around on private jets and they realize they don't have a league rule about it. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that's something they would do here, but it's definitely. But that is how they do things in Europe. Yeah. And they don't, I remember they don't play in a huge stadium there, right? They play in like a relatively like modest side. Yeah. They play in their main stadium for like champions league games and, um, um, and it's, it's interesting. So Lyon is obviously a, a brand in women's soccer, but it's, they average like maybe 2000 fans a game. Um, I think people kind of had this perception that maybe they have the same kind of, um, attendance as maybe the thorns or something, but, um, it's more about their brand. Um, so people were worried about them wanting a, a market that would bring in more attendance, but I think people have showed that there's enough local that they can they can build a, a real strong brand. Um, yeah, I mean, it and, seems like it seems like in some ways what they're buying into in in Tacoma fits more neatly than if they were to say buy a team in New York. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, the other thing that like the average observer might know is. Um, their president, who was at the press conference, um, has like wooed players on Twitter, and they're the kind of team that will dangle money. And suddenly, Alex Morgan shows up and is playing in an off season there. Um, Megan Rapino and Jess Fishlock have both done the same thing, um, and both spoke so highly of the experience there. And I think looking at the players' reactions is is actually one of the most reassuring things for me because they're all so excited. Um, and it's a change like this is probably pretty scary, but it seems like they're nothing but excited about it. Well, and I think that that was, that was also notable to me because of their almost universal – I mean, as far as I know, it is universal. I just don't want to say it's actually – Yeah. But praise for Predmore over the years is that if they are excited about a new owner, when they liked the old owner that says something and they're not, there wasn't a lot of at least public, like, I don't know what this means for us going forward. There was a lot more like, no, you don't get it. This is, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the fact that that Predmore stays on as CEO is going right. to, it's a helpful kind of continuity. And Tony um, Parker, apparently. I was just going to say the one other thing is like OL group, I don't know if they also oversee the men's basketball team or if there's if that's separate, but he has stake in Lyon men and women's basketball. Tony Parker does, and they're um, champions on both sides. Um, and actually, the Seattle Storm player um, Alicia Clark plays there in the off season in Lyon, so lots of Seattle connections. Um, and he now is a three percent owner of the Rain. Yeah, that was like completely <laughs> random thing. But like, yeah, Tony Parker was at the press conference yesterday, along with uh, who's the or, the old the former uh, oh Gerard Houllier. Um, yeah, yeah, like who best I can tell is like only tangentially involved in it. <laughs> like he's still like the director of like he's like oversees Red Bull. I think we reached out to some folks in France who explained him as an advisor. But like they, I, mean, I guess I bring this up because they kind of like full pressed this press conference. Like, yeah, there was, I mean, Amanda Duffy, the not 
commissioner of NWSL, but acting commissioner for the last however many years was there too. Um, yeah, it was it was bigger than any rain press conference I've ever seen. Right. I mean, I just like, like I can only liken it to last year around this time when rain were uh, announced as moving to Tacoma, and they kind of shared the podium with yeah with. Uh, defiance that like the defiance rebrand ended up kind of overshadowing what was like frankly a bigger story in in rain fc moving to tacoma and i guess changing their name too uh but but this was like a very different setting where it was like all like this was a big big deal for rain fc yeah was I mean, it was, it was, it was cool to see, I'm, you know, as a observer of the team, as someone who is like not following their everyday activity, I'm, I'm like really intrigued by this whole move. I think it's potentially really, really exciting. I think if I were other teams in the league, I'd be really worried about the rain. Yeah. Like I just think having this money behind them and having owners who have done this before, who have lots of expertise, I'd be worried they have lots of connections um too when you think of recruiting um so yeah I would any, did you get a sense of anything that we might notice different in the like short term um no i don't think so i think the message was like bill staying on a ceo for a reason um i mean the most significant short-term changes it sounds like we'll have a coach identified by mid-january um which is pretty important for the season coming up um when you lose a coach like Blodko, that's really hard um but in terms of like ol group operational changes i don't know i didn't get a sense what we might see first um they're hiring for a lot of positions i know this is like technical but they haven't had a social or marketing manager for a while so i feel like being able to make this announcement, start to be able to sell season tickets. Um, I think we're going to be bombarded by a lot of rain news over the next few months, just now that they can sort of unleash. And it comes at an opportunistic time too, because the NWSL just kind of loosened the purse strings a little bit in terms of what they're allowed. have extra allocation money for the first time, which is, um, something that MLS fans are well familiar with now, but it's never existed. And the salary cap is ridiculously low for NWSL teams. Um, so now having 300,000 extra dollars in allocation money, I get the sense this ownership group is going to use every penny of that. And give us a sense of what, what does $300,000 in allocation money represent in terms of the broader budget that's a significant chunk of it, right yeah i want to say i wish i had the numbers at the top of my head uh i want to say that it was like four hundred thousand previously total right minus u.s soccer allocated players but right so we're talking about effectively doubling the amount of non of money teams can spend on non-allocated players the other thing that they loosened more, there used to be restrictions on how much a team could spend on housing costs. There were maximum standards for that, and they've they've eliminated those. I mean, which is ridiculous thinking about what it's like to live in New York City or I mean even Seattle, Tacoma. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, it was ridiculous that those standards were 
not adjusted to the market. Um, so the, I guess the one other thing I just thought of with OL Group too, they're a publicly traded company, um, which means um, you can buy a stake in the rain, so to say. Um, but also we wouldn't have gotten those million dollars, like the investment numbers. I don't think we would have gotten those if they weren't, they have to release that, which is kind of cool. Yeah, no, I, that's a, that's a great point. And that's one of those things where like, I remember this is not the last time, but I remember the first time that this came to my attention was like when Michael Bradley transferred to uh, Toronto FC from Roma, they had to disclose the fee because mm. they're a publicly traded company. And so it was like, wait a minute, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, all of a sudden. Uh, so yeah, like that was so that three, I was wondering, I, that's, I was actually wondering why that number was so like front and center. Yeah, um, it wasn't in the rain release at all. Oh, it wasn't. That's no. interesting. We got the Leon press release and it was in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I mean, it's, it's good to see, you know, I, you know, every year I feel like for the last few years, we've been really openly wondering about what the future of rain FC is. And, you know, there's been talk of them potentially moving to CenturyLink field. And there's been, you know, there was all these kind of things that were swirling around and there was never the sense of, of finality to their, situation and frankly like I remember it was only a couple years ago I want to say that Richard Farley our good friend Richard Farley wrote about like maybe they don't exist mm -hmm. like um and and I don't know just how close any of those things came to fruition but I would think at the very bare minimum this should put a like end any worry about Rain FC not existing and I think that it probably should like fend off the stories of them potentially moving and who knows if they are in Tacoma forever, but I think they're going to be a Seattle area team for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Of course I'm going to, this is going to come back to haunt me at some point. But, <laughs> uh, I'll just say it wasn't it's Atlanta 2.0. Right. Exactly. Exactly. My hot takes. Hot, hot takes. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, Susie, I really appreciate you coming in and, and like kind of sharing your knowledge on this. This is, I, like I said, I think a really exciting uh, development in the world of, of Rain FC and in NWSL and frankly in women's soccer in general. And uh, hopefully our listeners uh, like agree and, and at the very least feel better informed. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And so obviously if you don't do this already, you should do it now. Make sure you go follow uh, Right of the Valkyries on Twitter. Make sure you are following Susie Rance on Twitter. Uh, is it at, it's at Susie Rance, right? It's at Susie Rance, R-A-N-T-S. Yeah. Yeah. Because. Real Rance. Real Rance. Uh, but anyway, uh, thanks for doing that. And of course, uh, listen to uh, Coffee and Valkyries, which is, you should be subscribing to our podcast. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to have a new podcast dropping soon about all of this, unpacking it more. So. All right. Well, thanks a lot for doing this. Thanks. All right, bye.